This morning's scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Listen to God's word. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is the word of God for the people of God. Would you pray with me for just a moment, please? Oh, Heavenly Father, we ask now that we would hear a word from your word, a word that would encourage and inspire, a word that would instruct and equip, a word that might help us to be your people in our everyday lives, in our everyday relationships, so you might be glorified in us and through us. We pray that in Jesus' holy name and all God's people said, Amen. Several years ago, Ann Landers used to have a column in the newspapers, a syndicated column. Anybody remember Ann Landers? Came out once a week, and people would write her letters asking for advice, and she would print them in the paper, and then, you remember what newspapers were, right, back in the day? Uh, she'd print them in the paper and then usually give a, an answer to them. Sometimes people would just write in to sound off about something. One particular time, Ann Landers received a letter from a grocery store clerk who was upset at the way some people were using their food stamps in buying groceries and pointed out the people who are on food stamps are lazy and they're taking advantage of the system and uh, uh, they just weren't trustworthy people with no character. And to support her contention, this grocery store clerk commented about a a couple that had gone through the grocery line and had bought a $16 store-made birthday cake and a $12 bag of fresh shrimp and paid for it with food stamps. And Ann Landers printed the letter and uh, cautioned the grocery clerk uh, not to be too quick to judge. And sure enough, a couple weeks later, a letter was sent to Ann Landers from that couple that had bought the cake and the shrimp. And Ann published that in her newspaper column as well. Turns out, uh, according to this couple, they had a nine-year-old daughter who had been battling bone cancer for several years, and the doctors had done all they could do Uh, The little girl was given six to eight months to live. Her birthday was coming up that next day. And uh, they wanted to give her a special birthday party. And she wanted more than anything to have a store-bought birthday cake. She'd never had that. And so they said, yes, we spent our food stamps on that, but we felt like it was a special occasion. And uh, we went ahead and did that and didn't feel bad about doing that. And Ann Lenders then put at the bottom of, of that letter just a reminder that we We often make judgments without knowing the full story. Isn't that true? Have you ever been on the receiving end of somebody's judgment? Someone made a a comment about your character or your motives that you knew wasn't accurate. And maybe that made you feel a a little bit diminished as a person. I I can remember uh, several years ago, uh, we were hiring a staff person here at Ebenezer and uh, uh, several people were applying uh, one was the wife of a church member who I'd had a disagreement with uh, a couple years prior. It wasn't a big disagreement, and we patched things up, and I uh, uh, thought we were getting along fine. But anyway, his wife was applying for this job, and uh, you should know that when people are applying for jobs here at Ebenezer, if they're church members, I 
generally stay out of the interview process. I don't want to uh, influence one way or another. And so I was not involved in this process. But the, the man's wife was not selected for the position. Uh, a couple weeks later, he sent me an angry letter uh, announcing that he and his wife, his whole family, were leaving the church and said, I know that you got involved and made sure that my wife wouldn't get hired for this position because you've never gotten over the disagreement we had. No, he was totally wrong. But it reminds me of just how easily people can draw false conclusions based on a superficial judgment of circumstances. Have you ever been on the giving end of something? You, you've maybe made a judgment about somebody and, and found out later that, that maybe you weren't correct. It happens, doesn't it? There seems to be something about us that makes us want to make judgments on other people and their circumstances and their decisions and their choices without knowing the whole picture sometimes. And here's what, what's interesting. Some people who claim to be the most open-minded, the most tolerant, the most accepting can sometimes be the most judgmental. I was talking with a group of college students one time and uh, they weren't uh, churchgoers and I asked them why they didn't go to church and they said, oh, people who go to church are the most self-righteous, judgmental people on planet Earth. They said that not even realizing how self-righteous and judgmental their comment was. See, we tend to do this, not because we're bad people, but because we're flawed people living amongst other flawed people. And it's easy for us to become harsh in our judgments of one another. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So welcome back to our series on Jesus. We're looking at the life and teachings of Jesus. So far we've looked at some of the stories he told and some of the miracles he performed. And right now we're looking at some of the questions Jesus asked. Because when Jesus asked questions... The, the intent of the question is to get you to think and reflect on your life and your attitude and your choices. And, and so today we're looking at a question Jesus asked that gets to the very heart of our tendency to judge other people. We find this question in Matthew chapter 7. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the most famous sermon Jesus ever preached. And it touches on a number of different issues. In fact, a couple weeks ago we talked about what Jesus had to say about worry. That was in the Sermon on the Mount. And the question he asked there was... Can worry even add one hour to your day? Right? So, so now we're, we're looking at another question Jesus asked about judgment. And he starts out by just saying, do not judge or you too will be judged. And uh, Jesus is getting at here our tendency to get up on our, our high horse, our moral high horse, and point fingers of condemnation down on other people with harsh words of judgment without really having all the facts. And to make sure that we get that point, Jesus asks a very interesting question here in verse 3. He says, Why do you notice the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and point that out while you totally ignore the plank, the two-by-four, sticking out of your own eye? Isn't that a crazy question? Isn't that a very provocative, even a humorous question? Why do you notice the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye but totally ignore the plank sticking out of your own eye? It's, a, it's an odd visual, but we get the picture, don't we? And what Jesus is saying is, hey, we have this tendency to be good at noticing the flaws of others, but not always noticing the same or even bigger flaws in ourselves. In social psychology, they call this the fundamental attribution error. And I just love saying that because it sounds so smart when you say it. The fundamental attribution error is simply this. When I see a flaw in someone else, 
I tend to blame that on their character. When I see a similar flaw in myself, I tend to blame that on my circumstances. So if I'm at the grocery store and I see a a dad with a couple of kids and I see him lose his temper with his kids and, and say things harshly to them, I say to myself, that's a bad dad. He's got some kind of anger issue. He needs to go see somebody about that before he ruins those kids. But if I'm at the store later and I get angry with my kids and I do the same thing, then I say to myself, well, they were pushing my buttons and I was having a bad day. Right? See the difference? To, to, to one dad, hey, it's his character. To me, it's my circumstances. Somebody at work misses a deadline and you're tempted to say, well, that's because they're un- unorganized and they're lazy and they don't work hard. They don't get things done. They're just a mess. When I don't get my work done by the deadline, well, that's because they, they put too much responsibility on me and the deadline is unrealistic. It's my circumstances. The grocery store clerk was judging somebody else in a way that was harsh and didn't even realize she was doing it and probably didn't notice areas in her own life where, where sometimes she would do things that other people would consider inappropriate. Uh, it's interesting. I found myself doing this a while back at a, at a meeting. Uh, I was in a meeting and I noticed a person sitting uh, down the end of the table was on their cell phone texting something. And the first thought that came to my mind is, I can't believe somebody's doing that. How unprofessional in the middle of a meeting, messing with their cell phone, texting something when they're supposed to be paying attention to the conversation we're having. A couple days later, I'm in another meeting and my daughter texts me. And I get it out and I'm texting. And then it was like the Holy Spirit said, hey, 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 you're doing exactly what you were criticizing someone else is doing. Yeah, anybody can relate to this? Is it just me? See, it's, it's our fundamental attribution error. We see things in others, we blame it on their character. We see things on us, we blame it on our circumstances. My favorite story about this is about the baseball team that was playing their crosstown rivals and they were getting beat really badly. It was 10 to 2 and it was like in the fifth inning. And in this particular inning, the, the, the team had given up six runs, and the center fielder had made three errors in the same inning. So when they, they came in off the field, the manager was furious. He walked up to the center fielder and said, You are the worst, lousiest center fielder I have ever managed. You sit on the bench. You're out of the game. In fact, I'm going to put myself in the game and show you how it's done. So the next inning, the manager goes out there to play center field. He makes three errors. And when he comes in after the inning, he takes the glove, he throws it down at the feet of the center fielder, and he says, you've got center field so messed up, I can't even do anything with it. (laughs) There's something about our human nature that tends to cause us to see others in the worst light, see ourselves in the best light, and make harsh judgments that we're probably not qualified to make. And that's what Jesus is warnings about when he says, do not judge. And yet at the same time, we have to judge, don't we? You can't make it through the day without making judgments. It's a function of life. Every choice involves some form of judgment. Anytime you choose one babysitter over another babysitter, you're judging. If you tell your 15-year-old daughter she cannot go out with that 19-year-old guy she just met online, you're judging, right? When you hire or fire an employee, you're judging. When you vote in an election, you're judging. In fact, the Scripture tells us we should judge. In the book of Romans, it says we're to test all things and hold on to what is good. We're to reject false teachers and false doctrines. 
You have to judge in order to do that. The book of Proverbs tells us we should walk with the wise and avoid the company of fools. You've got to judge to do that. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount elsewhere tells us we should judge a tree by its fruit. So, you, so we have to judge. It's even our Christian responsibility to judge. Not only that, we couldn't function as a society without judging. Could you imagine a, a culture where there's no judgment at all? What would we do with the legal system if we couldn't judge those who break the law? How would we uphold standards of decency if we couldn't judge? How could we stand against evil and violence if we didn't judge at least some level? You know, the truth of the matter is there are some rather naive idealists who, who envision a world where there's no judgments, everybody's tolerant of everything and accepting of everything. We all just kind of live by our own rules. But in reality, that can't be done. It would be total chaos. We may not all agree on what the standards should be, but we all agree there needs to be some standards. And if you're going to have some standards, you're going to make judgments about whether People are meeting the standard or not, and what should happen to hold people accountable when they don't meet the standard? So which is it? Are we to judge or not to judge? As you probably figured out, when Jesus uses the word judge, when we come across that word judge and judgment in the Bible, it means different things in different contexts. There is a wise and healthy form of judgment that we might want to call discernment. Discernment is when uh, I'm in a situation where I have to look carefully at all the evidence and do my best to determine the wisest response or the wisest course of action. Discernment is part of being a responsible person, living a a healthy and helpful life. Christians are called to be discerning. So we have to discern. But then Jesus tells us not to judge. And when Jesus says don't judge, He's not talking about discernment. He's talking about being self-righteous and judgmental toward other people. To judge in a way that is harsh and cruel and condemns the other person. It goes beyond just addressing behavior that needs to be addressed. And it gets to a place where it's coming from an attitude of superiority. It's condescending. It's self-righteous. It's harsh and ugly. In Luke 18, it says this about the religious leaders of Jesus' day. It said, uh, they considered themselves better than others and they looked down on other people. See, that's what Jesus is cautioning. That attitude of of condescension. I'm better than you. I'm superior to you. And therefore, I have the right to condemn you for not being me. Imagine for a second, I have a 29-year-old son. Imagine that he quits his job, empties his bank account, takes what money he has, flies to Las Vegas, and gambles it all away. And then when he comes home, as his father... I have perhaps an opportunity to talk to him about his behavior and how that's not appropriate and how that's irresponsible and and how he's going to have to make better choices in the future and why doing that sort of thing is not healthy and that kind of impulsive behavior is, is not going to do him well in the future. That would be appropriate, but it would be inappropriate for me to get all harsh and ugly and call him a stupid low life and tell him he'll never amount to anything, right? That's judgmental. And it's good to know the difference, especially today. It's good to know the difference when you're responding to something on Facebook. When you're in an argument with your spouse. When you're commenting on politics. 
when you're talking about someone who's not in the room, when you're sending an email because you're frustrated, right? It's good to stop. It's good to stop. And remember, I got a plank in my own eye. Do I really want to deal with the speck in someone else's eye first before I deal with the plank in my own eye? See, so, so how do we avoid being judgmental? How do we avoid coming, cro- coming across harsh, condemning, condescending, self-righteous, hypocritical? How do we avoid all that? Well, let me uh, wrap up this morning in the time we have left with two suggestions, two qualities we can develop that will help us avoid being judgmental while still allow us to be discerning. And here's the first quality we need to develop. Be curious. Curiosity helps us avoid becoming judgmental. Uh, when we start to get judgmental about somebody, let's step back and Ask ourselves, I wonder what they're thinking. I wonder what caused them to respond this way. I wonder what's caused them to form their thoughts, their attitudes, their actions. Now, understanding somebody isn't excusing their behavior if it's bad behavior, but at least it allows us to see their behavior in a different light. Many times, curiosity will cause us to discover new facts and gain a new understanding, and sometimes we discover we've just misunderstood. Look at the man in this picture for a second. I don't know if you recognize him or not, but if you saw him, maybe you would wonder, is he a street person? Has he had a hard life? Is he an alcoholic? Maybe drug addict? Maybe he's mentally ill? Would you want your children to come up and talk to him? Looks like he's begging for money. Would you give him any money? It's easy to look at him and kind of think, there's somebody I probably want to stay away from. And yet... If you knew who he was, if you got curious, you'd discover this is Dobri Dobrev. He's one of the, the real live saints of Sofia, Bulgaria. 101 years old, served his country in World War II, lives a very modest life on a small pension. In the year 2000, Dobri, at the age of 85, committed his life to Jesus Christ, and he felt that Jesus was asking him to give away almost all of his possessions and spend the rest of his life on the streets, blessing people, praying for people, collecting money for churches, orphanages, and monasteries in Bulgaria. He is a modern-day saint loved by so many people. Children line up to be hugged by him and prayed over by him. He's a model of kindness and generosity and holiness. And unless we got curious, we'd form a different opinion about him. See, curiosity helps us avoid Snap judgments. You remember several years ago, uh, AmeriQuest Financial Services did this whole series of commercials where they'd show people in kind of awkward social uh, settings where, where something had happened and if you only saw it in just a brief moment, you'd make some kind of harsh judgment about them. Do you remember that? And then the, the, the line after that was, don't judge too quickly. There was one particular commercial involving a guy and a cat. Do you remember that one? He was making dinner for his wife and... The cat got in the spaghetti sauce and he had a big knife in his hand and he lifted up the kid. Remember that? Let, let, let's watch it for a second. Let's, I love this. Let's watch it. That never gets old. I love that. Yeah. See, curiosity prevents us from making snap judgments. It, it, it allows us to get more information before we react or respond. I'll never forget uh, many years ago we were doing a, a capital funds campaign here at Ebenezer trying to build this sanctuary, and I was asking people to give sacrificially, and I was telling people I was going to set the example and give 
uh, over and above what I usually give. And my wife and I were going to make some big sacrifices to do that. And uh, a few days later, I got a phone call from a, a woman in our church. She and her husband had been very generous to the church in the past. And, and uh, she said, Pastor Mark, I hate to bother you, but, I, but I've just got to ask you a question. I said, well, what? She said, do you drive a, a black BMW convertible? And I said, no, I drive a green Saturn. And uh, she, she let out kind of a sigh of relief. She said, oh, good. And I said, why? She said, well, uh, I, w- I was out running errands and I saw a guy drive by in a car and it looked a lot like you. And he was dr- driving this very expensive black BMW convertible. And I, I thought to myself, how could Pastor Mark be asking us to make financial sacrifices when he's driving around in a car like that? Now, I assured her that wasn't my car that, you know, I told her I, I'd kind of live a fairly normal life. I have no mansion in Beverly Hills or offshore somewhere. I'm not living like a TV evangelist or anything. But Although that's a pretty judgmental thing to say, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh. But I, I appreciated her calling and asking the question because it avoided her then assuming it was me, making judgments about me and having hard feelings perhaps toward me. In the book of James it says everyone should be Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Stephen Covey says in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, seek first to understand and then to be understood. See, we have to fight against this natural tendency to make snap judgments. And one of the ways we can do that is to be curious. Secondly, stay humble. Be curious, but also stay humble. Uh, we need to remember that we all fall short. That, that's really the point Jesus is making about, hey, you've got a plank in your own eye. He wants us to remember, we've all been recipients of God's grace and mercy and forgiveness. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. I saw a bumper sticker on our car once that went like this. It said, don't judge people who sin differently than you do. Isn't that good? See, uh, we've got to stay humble. E. Stanley Jones, one of the great uh, preachers of the last century, One of the reasons people would listen to him talk about the love of Jesus is because uh, he did it with such a humble heart. He said, I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. The Apostle Paul, one of the great church planners and evangelists of the early church, used to call himself the chief of all sinners. He didn't say, I'm the Apostle Paul, super evangelist, great theologian, used by God on many occasions. He said, no, 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 I'm I'm a sinner like everybody else. In fact, I'm chief of all sinners. He said, when the sinners get together for their annual meeting, I'm the president, right? The truth of the matter is, friends, we, we have to avoid the temptation to get prideful and arrogant. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. And that's why Jesus encourages us to examine ourselves and let the Holy Spirit remind us about the truth about ourselves. I always re- remind myself, especially when I'm tempted to judge other people, that i got plenty of my own junk to work on. Now, that doesn't mean we cannot offer a word of loving correction when need to. The, the Scripture tells us that we're to hold each other accountable in a loving way, and if you have relationships with people that allow you to do that, that's a good and healthy thing. It's helpful to speak truth into other people's lives. Jesus doesn't say don't deal with the speck in other people's eyes. He says don't deal with the speck in other people's eyes till you've noticed the plank in your own eye and dealt with that. Jesus is not saying you have to be perfect before you can speak a word of correction to someone else. He just wants us to be aware that we're not perfect when we speak correction to someone else. 
so that we don't come across as harsh or condemning, but instead we seek to encourage and inspire, to say to have an attitude that says, hey, I'm for you, not against you. There's a great quote, sometimes attributed to J.M. Barry and sometimes attributed to Plato, and at least in one case attributed to somebody's Uncle Bob. And the quote is up here on the screen. Let's read this out loud together. Be kinder than necessary. Because everyone you meet is fighting some kind of battle. Isn't that true? See, we've all got issues we're working through. And that's okay. Because we have a loving Savior who died on a cross for us. He wants us to encourage one another. He wants us to support one another. And sometimes speak hard truths of correction to one another. But never in a way that's judgmental. In this world, you and I are going to have to make judgments. We're going to have to be discerning, but we don't have to be judgmental. If we stay curious, curious, we'll recognize that we don't always have all the facts. And if we stay humble, we'll remember that we're all equal at the foot of the cross. And that will help us extend grace to other people, especially people who get on our nerves. And that will help us to be kinder than necessary. Because everybody we meet is fighting some kind of battle.